Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, everyone. It's quiet than normal because it is very early in the morning in the uk when we are sitting down to not talk about australian things that every other wrestling podcast is talking about looking at you cultaholic we are here to go back to 1993 and go back to america in 1993 in our ica pro powered delorean to see the fallout of hulkamania and the very early years of the new generation and who be we well, I be fake radio Geordie Tom Campbell, and I be with the top pen of Cultaholic. Doesn't need a pencil, gets it right every time. Justin Henry is over there. Hello, Justin. Good morning to you, Tom. Good and yes, I do, I do mean morning. Yeah, we, um, my, my bad, and it's like scheduling conflict, and we are mm-hmm. recording this at 5.53am UK time. So this is normally real, real deep, dark sadists of the UK who still stay up to watch three hours of Monday Night Raw will normally be going to bed at this point. <laughs> and it is 12.53 in the morning, Tuesday morning, where I am recording. And I will say you shouldn't worry about this from me because 24 hours ago at this time, I was watching Death Wish 3 on cable because it came on and I could not resist. I saw that. Like you're asking for trouble doing that. That's one of That's the greatest bad movie of all time. They killed the giggler, man. <laughs> but the problem is, though, when you watch that Death Wish film, are you not then inspired to watch all the other Death Witches? Well, the first one was a great movie unto itself. The second one was, eh, it was all right. But the third one, it is so bizarre and nonsensical, and it's got Charles Bronson in it anyway. It's like... Twistedly it, it magical. Like David, <laughs> David Lynch would watch this movie and go, what the hell is going on in this movie? <laughs> when you're confusing Lynchy, you're confusing everyone. Exactly. We are going to remain back in time, uh, as you were watching Death Wish, for this week's Monday Night Raw, uh, Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Where are we this week, Justin? Um... We are still at the Manhattan Center, as we should be. It is Monday, April 26, 1993. This episode aired live. And just for, just for frame of reference for those of you who don't realize how bizarre this time difference is for us, we're recording at this time. We usually record about, I'd say about 10 hours earlier, nine and a half maybe. So this is much later in the day for us to be doing this. Very much so, but I'm gonna. I, I'm attempting to bring the same energy without upsetting too many of the neighbours. How the That's hell are your neighbours? 
No, well, you, you say that, but then you haven't got to look at uh, the the Facebook page for the area that I live in to see people complaining about the noise on a Tuesday morning. Um, Are they the thugs from Death Wish 3? Do you know what? I think some of them might be. I saw some of them leaving the other day, and uh, potentially so. Um, oh, the- we are fast approaching uh, a, a milestone in uh, the the post-Hulkamania era, namely Hulk Hogan's trip to Japan. Mm-hmm. We And I was reminded of this by um, Cultaholic Classic Raw Review uh, subscriber, friend of the show, Jesse Marie Roberts, who is a pro wrestling foxy boxer, who I think every good wrestling podcast should have one of those on their books. So thank you, Jesse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who says on Twitter, uh, I hope, I guys, hope this isn't too late for the Hogan thing. It was a little fun thing about it. Hulk Hogan claimed the promo was mistranslated. <laughs> he spoke in English. Um, well, about that. Uh, <laughs> we'll cover that in fuller detail in one week when uh, the, when the timelines match up. Exactly. But if you have say, had your appetite uh, wet, wait till next week. Yeah. I I will say in slight defense of Hogan, it is possible. I, I've heard explanations for why he said what he said, and it his, his explanation would make sense, but it was still a dumb thing to say. Let's get to it next week. And it, it did WWE no favors what he said. Yes. So for this show, we are live from the Manhattan Center. There's no cold opening. We just go right into the show, right into the opening montage with the, as, as Artie Rounds are called, the rockified version of the Raw song. And uh, we have Vince McMahon, Macho, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Rob Bar- Oh, wait. That's right. Rob Bartlett is no more. No. Say hello to Miguel Santana. No, that sounds like a joke. It's, uh, it is the joining of Bobby the Brain Heenan. To the Royal Commentary Team, I'm as God really intended. Happy and sad to see Bobby Heenan. <laughs> and after what we uh, had, after the, after the conclusions we came to for Rob Bartlett this in, in the last thirteen shows, I'm, I'm kind of sad also because he, he he tried his absolute best. He he, he did his damnedest. But I gotta say, this show flowed so much better with Bobby in the booth. I've got to say, Bobby was very much more in control. Of things. This is like being on a... a th- his first 13 weeks were like being on an airplane with an inexperienced co-pilot. And the main pilot is feeling sick, so he's trying to keep it afloat. Then all of a sudden somebody realizes, Hey, Sully Sullenberger is at the back of the plane. He's a passenger. Let's get him up there. <laughs> and, then, and then he takes over the controls, and all of a sudden you're flying smooth again. Bobby's brilliant, and... Uh... It, it felt right that he was there. I can't really be annoyed that Bartlett's not there. I think we just grew this sort of sick, twisted attachment to Rob Bartlett over our time together. And I think now he's gone. Is, I think our problem is we saw Bartlett in ourselves. Because, <laughs> because you and I are imperfect beings and, and we just wanted him to succeed. We, way were, we were by the end. Like when we first started doing this, we we wanted like his guts for gratis, as we say mm-hmm. over here. But by the end, we were really pulling for him. Like you're the chosen one. We really want you to do well. 
but we knew in advance it was going to be gone by a certain date. So it, it was like you, you, you know how old Yeller ends, but but you're, when you read it for the first time, you're like, this is going to be so sad when we get to the end of this. And and by page what like the eighty percent of the way through it, you're like, well maybe the dog lives, and then but no. Well, that's it. Do you ever watch? Do you ever do that? Do you ever watch films and you think maybe this time, inexplicably, the ending will be different? <laughs> it, it reminds me. Here's a bizarre tangent. Watching Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday with, with a friend of mine who would, I'd already seen the movie, and there's a really cute redhead in it. That looks just like Allison Hannigan from American Pie. And he sees her. He, he has a thing for redheads, as many of us do, Becky Lynch fans. And uh, he, he sees her, and he's like, uh, he gets all of them, like, don't get attached to her. Because, you know, that every character but the main heroine and one guy are going to die a terrible, painful death. And sure enough, she got impaled on a barbecue skewer and her head crushing in Jason's bare hands. So, yeah. Oh, it's sad but true. So no more Bartlett. Thank you, Bartlett, for the lucky 13 weeks of Monday Night Raw. And no more Q Redhead and Jason goes to hell. Now I'm sad all over again. (laughs) But Bobby Heenan's here, and that's good. Because Bobby's our boy. Yes, Bobby Heenan would have somehow beaten Jason, probably. He would have made Jason laugh. And, well, yeah, anyway. he would have become buddies with Jason. He would have managed Jason at WrestleMania 3. That would be terrifying. Hulk Hogan would have slammed him in front of 100 million thousand people. <laughs> and then three days later, he and Mrs. Four, he's both died, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Vince plugs the big match on the show, which is the Narcissist Lex Luger versus, and I'm quoting here, the original Hawaiian crush. Now the nickname was the original Hawaiian punch. I was gonna crush. say, yeah, I thought I thought you got it wrong. Yep, it's on the uh, very tasty beverage that we all had as kids. But he calls him the original Hawaiian. Now I'm thinking, Hawaii was ratified as a state in 1959. It is a 50th state, whereas Bobby Heenan once called it a suburb of Guam. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, so if he's the original Hawaiian, this must be one really old dude. Wouldn't, wouldn't Maui be the original Hawaiian? This means the crush would have predated Pearl Harbor. He would have predated many other things. Maybe he's <laughs> just like an eternal being. You know, maybe. Because, I mean, his his theme song is eternal. <laughs> I, I, tweeted, I tweeted out last night while watching this show. In 1993, Crush had the greatest theme song of all time. And in 2018, it's still true. You and, love that theme tune, don't you? Not only do I love it, you know who retweeted me and endorsed and, and backed up what I wrote? The Blue Meanie. Wow. So well, there you go. What more of a what more of a, a, a assurance of quality do you need? And we were not alone. We were getting a lot of uh, well, the original tweet was getting a lot of feedback. Like hell yeah, that was one hell of a song. Just that opening riff, that bang, 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 it was just so it, it had that surf vibe, but it was just pure adrenaline power metal, and it was a, perfect. A wrestler's theme music lives and dies by its opening uh, sound effect, klaxon, anything like that. The main thing we remember is that opening noise. Everything else can potentially pale in significance. Observe. Primo. There you go. La, 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 la. There we go. <laughs> so. So we have Lex Luger versus the Eternal Hawaiian Crush. And then uh, as Savage goes on this tangent about Luger's forearm and its knockout potential, Vince makes this weird face that 
don't know, Vin, I think Vince just felt like he had to do something in that moment. So Savage going on about how, how Luger's forearm can uh, you know, knock out a water buffalo or whatever with, with just he one was, simple strike. He was prattling on saying, oh, it's got more knockouts than than all these boxers combined. It's, like, <laughs> it's got more knockouts than the TNA roster ever will. <laughs> I'm a big fan I, of hyperbole, but it has to be somewhat grounded in truth. So then the crowd's actually chanting Weasel at Bobby. And it's, it's like, well, they're, I think the Thunder are just happy to see Bobby Heenan because he's not Rob Bartlett. These people have, some of these people have watched from home. I think, yeah, I think, and, and Bobby's a brilliant heat magnet. Like, he, he can draw in that absolute hatred. At this point, I don't think it's even hatred. It's just, they're just happy to see him, and they're, and they're going to, you know, give him the chant that he always gets. And at this point, it's just loving disrespect. Mr. Perfect versus Damian Demento. What a combo. Well, Demento's been kind of a workhorse on this show. Not quite at, at, at a Tatanka level. Well, again, but... it's one of those things where if you only watch Monday Night Raw, you'd assume that the top baby faces Tatanka are the top heels of Money, Inc. and Damian Demento. <laughs> Which Pretty isn't much, a bad yes. world to live in, let's be honest. Would you watch Tatanka versus Demento till the end of time? I mean... It, it, my, the end of my time would come much quicker if that was my fate. <laughs> it's, it's early in this match that they actually broach Bartlett's name, which is weird because usually in WWE, once you're out of sight, you're out of mind and you stop. That kind of gave me a little shot of hope. Like, maybe he's not gone completely. Maybe he's just having a week off. I was like, no, he has actually gone. So I don't, you are I, out of... It's very weird that he got a nod if he'd been sacked off. I mean, they do stop mentioning you unless you have a Hasbro action figure and you've passed away, but they still have to sell it. 14 weeks now. We are looking at... Oh, it, and it gets creepier every week when they play that toy advert. And there's Carrie Von Eric at the front! At the front! <laughs> it's, Smiling! It His arms wide open! The, the guy's dead! And no one's acknowledging it. Not once on Raw did they mention that Carrie Von Eric passed away. No, but it's there's his toy. God, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> well, back on back to a less depressing topic. We uh, well, they kind of mentioned that Bartlett quit due to Bobby Heenan insisting on coming back. And Savage Savage says that that Heenan couldn't carry Rob Bartlett's jock, which is. Quite a departure from all the weeks where Savage would torment Rob Bartlett. It's like I say, Savage finally, near the end, warmed to Rob Bartlett, which I thought was adorable. Like they became, they kind of became friends in the last week or so. Well, I don't know if if, if it's so much that Savage warmed to him. He, he might have that Lord Alfred Hayes syndrome, where he turns face to heel depending on the match. Where Lord Alfred Hayes for one match was badmouth and the baby face for being, you know, a sissy or whatever, or a coward. And then the next match, all of a sudden, he's pro babyface again. I don't think I ever heard a heel Alfred Hayes. Maybe because we're both British. Like, everything I heard him say just felt right and true. Well, in 94, when Brett and Owen were feuding, he he actually called Brett like, his own heart and his rotten brother, Brett Hart, for no reason. Wow. I'm like, wait, Lord, why is Lord Alfred a bad guy now? I never <laughs> heard that. 
<laughs> it was like Lord Manfred Hayes, his evil twin. <laughs> Lord Manfred Hayes. Oh, Manfred that... Man. I, I was blinded by the light. <laughs> <laughs> I was shellacked by the light. I think it should be the, should be the sequel. Shellacked by, by the, the light. light. <laughs> it should definitely be shellacked by the light. Revved up like a, what's a British car? Uh, a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> Revved up like a Ford Fiesta. Anyway. <laughs> so... Anyway, it's Kirk versus Demento. Damien's talking to the voices in, in the heavens above. It could be Carrie Von Eric telling him, get my figure out of that. <laughs> get my finger right. off that advert quickly. <laughs> I am still dead. <laughs> it's, uh, like, gotta... it's like, it's like, like, imagine. Oh, gosh. I, I, I'm, I'm going to hang my hat on this, even though. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. I've started this and I've realised that this is probably a, a, a terrible uh, analysis depending on, like, cause of death and such. Actually, no, no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. Um, no, I'm going to change the character. Eddie Guerrero, right? Okay. Okay. Eddie Guerrero dies on the Wednesday. On Friday night SmackDown, they don't mention it, but there's an advert for WWE SmackDown versus Raw. <laughs> featuring the Eddie Guerrero career mode. It's like, no, what are you doing? And, and, then, it, and then start airing two months after the fact. <laughs> yeah, to the point they never mentioned that he's gone. Like, oh, what are you doing? I do have to mention, uh, since we're on that topic, did, now, I'm not going to blame WB for this. This was, I'm pretty sure, an honest mistake because they had their advertising material probably made long in advance. Eddie died in in, in in a November, and a few weeks later they had they had their holiday ads up, and they have Eddie in one of their holiday ads for W Shop. It says Viva Lost Savings. Oh it's like, no! Yeah, I think they pulled that pretty quickly. That, well, that's that was it. Their their PR department now is much stronger than it was in '93. Yeah, that was just unfortunate. So, I got to ask about this match. I don't, I don't know if you how closely you watched this, but. There's a referee in this match I have never seen before. I can't say he was striking, but maybe as a maybe the referee's role is to not be striking. Hey, to me, he looked like Rick Moranis doing a character. He, he, do you he know what? In the state, state of WWE at this point, it very well could have been. <laughs> he had sort of this Mo Howard look to him, and he counts really, really fast when guys are out of the ring. Like, he... he it's like he has a wager on a sporting event that's going on at the same time, and he can't wait to get to the back because he's got to see what's going on. He's, he's just... We're winding to have a look now. Watch when Demento and Perfect are on the floor. He's, he goes, one, two, three, four. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he kind of looks like... Yeah, he does kind of look a bit like a Rick Moranis type. Lovely teeth. <laughs> he's, he's very... Unusual looking. I mean, I'm, I'm not making to make one of the guys looks, but it's just usually I know all these referees. I know Danny Davis, I know Joey Morella, Earl Hebner, Mike Kyoto, Tony Chimmel. Like... No, he is the ring announcer. Sorry. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and and former uh, ring attendant because because Razor would always throw his toothpick at him when he, he says something happened to this gold, something going to happen to you. That's how he got to start. Ah, oh, of course he did. So during the course of the match, I'll continue on why, why you study uh, Ref Moranis there. Um, 
Perfect takes a bump out of the ring, and he wipes out the cameraman. I mean, cameraman goes ass over tea kettle. Camera flies up into the air, and then we've got a nice look at the uh, uh, building lights, the way it's all set up, the grid up there. We also caught the cameraman's footwear. Looked like he was wearing Velcro trainers. Well, I mean, they're comfy, you know. You, you got yeah, some, it's fine. But top sort of marks shocking. to the guy who continued to film. Exactly. It's the uh, it's the consummate professionalism that stands out the most. A hero. A hero. It, okay, it was right at the point when Perfect fell, fell out of the ring after the chokehold. He's sitting on the bottom rope, Damien's choking him, and he just lets go, and Perfect does a backwards nesty plunge to the floor, almost bonks his head. And it's at this point the referee decides, I'm just going to count as fast as I can because I'm, I've got better stuff to do. <laughs> the ref's just going into business for himself, like, bored now. Yes, and this was a shoot, and I'm, this may have been why it may have been his only show. I'm going to keep tabs on an unusual referee. I've actually, I actually messaged on DM Monsoon Classic on Twitter. This is a guy that has watched countless hours of WWE and has uploaded it for our edification, old syndicated shows. And I said, who is this ref? He goes, I don't know. Oh, we were counting on you, that. Monsoon Classic. I was like, of all people. We should get him on. I'm presuming it's a him. That's very sexist of me. I, I I believe it is a him. Yes. Okay. Um, we should get him on at some point, and we should ask just a shed load of obscure questions about Monday Night Raw from this time. <laughs> and I feel like Johnny tight lips. I don't know. A lot of things happen. <laughs> He's gonna go all Meltzer on us. Sorry, Dave, but that is all you used to do on the law. Is this well, happening, Dave? I don't know. Well, it's possible that the um. Well, you know what, the referee, uh, well, I mean, he could have gone into business for himself. <laughs> he but, could have gone into the, business himself? All right, Dave, what's my newsletter this week? <clears throat> oh, geez, what's not in the news? Um... <laughs> <clears throat> God damn it. So back to the match. Perfect brings the men to win, chops him exceedingly hard. Probably he's mad about the referee's count. He's just taking out the mentor now because he can't hit the referee unless it's you know, Royal Rumble for Super Nintendo. <laughs> It's true, you can't. Although my nan figured out how to do it. Really? And 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 she's no longer with us, God rest her. But nan played Raw for the Super Nintendo, somehow Great managed game. to punch the referee, and me and my cousin never figured out how she did it. And it she so didn't know if either. If you hit the referee ten times in the match, he would leave he would leave the ring and just leave, and just walk away. You never knew that? <laughs> He would wait for... <laughs> he, he... I think that's what tenth... this ref was going to do. <laughs> After the 10th strike, he would wave his arms frankly, like as if to go F it, and then he would just leave. <laughs> and he then would... what What happens to the badge? Well, it turns into a brawl match where the first guy gets knocked out loses. <laughs> that's sensational. That is amazing. <laughs> that was the, it was the greatest game ever. Next to Urban Champion for regular Nintendo. I'm picturing him doing that just casual walk that all the wrestlers did in the game. He's <laughs> um, not casual about it. It was like he had steel hemorrhoids and everybody moved. Like there was a lobster biting your taint or pinching your taint. We get a little clumsy spot here where Perfect Snap mirrors Demento over. Demento goes to get up and realizes, oh wait, he's going for the running the next snap. And he has to sit back down for it. Like, all right, do your move, do your signature. Boom, running the next snap. Perfect Plex finishes after Demento um, whiffs on a splash, falls on the Perfect's knees. 
it was what it was. I, I was more transfixed by Ref Moranis. This wasn't a bad match. Like this was a nice it, little outing again for Damien Demento, who is yet to mm-hmm. get any kind of co- coherent, conceded victory on uh, hey, on Raw. He, he beat Jim Brunzel. Did he? He did. Yeah. He did, didn't he? I stand Three weeks corrected. Ago. He beat one half of the killer bees, man. I stand corrected. Yeah, I mean, that's where I come from. That's called a push. (laughs) That's a push, brother. So then we go into this. Okay, this was a well-meaning segment. I'm going to say that right now. It's like when I review Raw for Call to Holic and they do the Susan G. Komen bits, I kind of bite my tongue a little bit because... You know, there's a little controversy with Susan G. Komen. It's you don't want to say anything too crappy because you know it, it's dicey. Because it means well. Yeah, it, it does mean well. I mean, there's something to say about the whole philanthropy, the future of marketing, blah blah blah. But I mean, it's you want to be supportive of, of like the survivors and the people who genuinely benefited, not not in a negative way from you know the help and the research. And this segment was well-meaning. I'm about to talk about here, but man, was it awkward! <laughs> it was so right. So we had a poem from uh, what was because because you you guys just name you just guys just number all your schools, don't you? She was like PS, uh, not PS one eighteen because that was where like hey Arnold three eighty four, three three eighty four. I wrote it down and uh, well, we start up with a three shot at ringside of Vince Savage and Heenan. And Vince talks about how Savage adopted a school. And I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> this like, school like, is now my son. <laughs> this, 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 this bakery is now my daughter. <laughs> Savage is Kurt Angle and the school is Jason Jordan. Savage just went mental and just started adopting buildings. Those are my kids. <laughs> you shut your mouth. I taught that building how to drive. <laughs> I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy that library his first bike. <laughs> when that when that building starts sprouting hair in unusual places, we had the talk. <laughs> Somebody builds a loft extension on the hotel. They grow up so fast. <laughs> <laughs> we should be at the point where anything Savage says, you should be able to just nod and go, "Yep, that's right, Randy." Oh, but, but he no, just continues like... to surprise. <laughs> It's like, it's like he adopted the school. Like, well, how do you adopt the school? Like, you, you can adopt the room. You can't adopt the school. Like, what the... There's so and much like, paperwork. Like, I don't know what an aneurysm feels like, but I felt one coming on. <laughs> so this is what happened. They're talking about this this very young girl, probably about, I want to say 10 or 11 years old. Her name is Jasmine McNeil. She was an essay winner, and she read a poem called There's No Hope with Dope. And it's a very well-meaning poem about drug use, and she's basically reading this from the point of view of a recently deceased person who used drugs and died. Now, this could come from a very, very sincere place. It could hit home to her. Maybe somebody in her life died of, of a drug overdose or was just a victim of prolonged drug use and passed away. This was a very – I mean especially from someone her age, this is actually a very beautifully written poem. I, I, I got, you got to say that much, and it, and it was had a had a gravity to it. It was very serious. Then, just, uh, what I will say is, I think okay, you're wrong, at, Justin. I think you're wrong, Justin. 
because oh, no. I sorry, Jasmine. I'm really sorry, and 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 I know I will be hated. I've got to say it. It's elephant in the room. Justin, that was a rubbish poem. <laughs> it was an awful poem. There was no structure. There was barely okay. any rhyming. Okay, okay. There okay. Was okay. no it format. Was it was like it was, it was written essay. by a technician at WWF. It was a sorry, Jasmine. I'm sure you've gone on to do great things. That was a rubbish poem. Okay, so there was no rhyme scheme to it, but it was. It puts you in the mind of of someone that. It was spoken word. It wasn't a poem. If you said okay. it's Jasmine with some spoken word, I'd have gone. That's okay. lovely spoken okay. word. Don't tell me okay. it's a poem, okay. Jasmine. Tom, I'm looking at the clock. It is one twenty in the morning. <laughs> if, 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 no, if you were we sitting were right this for another forty minutes. <laughs> uh, okay, a spoken word essay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you happy now? Yes, thank you. I am delighted. Carry on. Dickbag. <laughs> anyway. Jasmine wrote a very sincere spoken word essay. And it was very touching. Oh, God, breathe. No, don't breathe. <laughs> I'll, I'll get Ross in here. He won't hold me up. <laughs> so anyway. Carry on. So, okay, composure. Okay. So, at the end of her very touching speech here, this, this she is carefully written and means a lot to her, obviously. Keep in mind, I, I got to point out for the, the, uh, the visual here. She's sitting on a, a dimly lit stage. On, on, it was either a stool or a chair. I couldn't tell what. And she's reading. And she's reading off a paper. Then all of a sudden, a spotlight appears next to her, and in that spotlight is the Undertaker, and it starts playing his theme music. And he goes, "There's no hope with dope." And that's it. I mean, of all the wrestlers on the roster to promote. The fact that drugs will kill you, I think The Undertaker is probably the right one. Well, yes, because you don't want to see me, kids, believe me. <laughs> and at least he rhymed, so that's nice. Yes, he, he did a spoken word poem. <laughs> he poemed. I'm a poet and I don't know it. <laughs> and I was not aware. It, it might have been scary coming from Paul Bearer, actually, if he'd been standing there. There's no hope with that. That would have looked really dodgy if the lights had come up and then just Paul Bearer's big fat face was stood next to that girl. That would just look a bit weird. I wouldn't even take over-the-counter drugs at that point. <laughs> like, okay, like, thank like, you, Jasmine. It was a lovely spoken word piece. And now, because of you and the Undertaker... Are you sure it was a spoken I'm, word piece, Tom? Very, very are sure. You? It was definitely spoken word. Undertaker's bit okay. was a poem. Um, but I now definitely will not do a drug, ever. And I and I vow that I will learn the difference between poems and spoken word pieces. Thanks, Tom. Oh no, no, it's not you that's called it a poem. WWF called it a poem. I was calling them okay. out, not you. You're well, merely, I was you're feeling... merely the messenger. I ain't shooting you. I was feeling terrible because I was being sincere there. You were being very sincere, and and history will remember that. History will remember that. We'll make sure of it. 
So we go back to ringside, and we have the Rosati sisters carrying around these signs. They are the middle-aged rotund women that they put out there in the somewhat revealing attire once in a while just to carry the placards. It's, it's done for comic relief, and a nice little reunion here because Bobby Heenan makes fun of them. And uh, if you remember on the old primetime episode, Bobby Heenan made fun of them a lot. He was always digging on them, wasn't he? But they would always smile through it because, you know, you know off camera they were probably you know close to one another, and it was all it was all part of the show. And he does make an elephant joke about them, like they usually walk around with their tails tied to each other's and the trunks and all that. And Vince makes a great face. He was on the money this week. Bobby was. I miss Bartlett, but he was so on the money. <laughs> I, mean, I was laughing out loud, and I wasn't even ashamed of it. <laughs> what, what, what brings us to our next bit, and this is going to be a show long thread from here. Heenan reveals that there is a fan at ringside who looks oddly like a mulleted Kevin Smith with glasses. If Kevin Smith were a computer technician in 1993. That was, uh, that, oh yeah, because that was it, because he was stood next to a blonde woman. And they were like, oh, these two are a couple. What, the blonde one? No, 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 move along, move along. That one. Oh. <laughs> and even even watching it, Justin, you must have it, you went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you see, uh, this fan at ringside, who was, I can't remember what his name was now, it was, it was one of those... Satslowski. So, uh, he says that this guy is going to propose to his wife later, in, or his girlfriend, later in the show, and she doesn't know it yet. So this is going to be, uh, so what was this guy's last name again? i, I got to find it for myself now. Satslowski. At some point in the show, he's going to propose to his, his girlfriend, whose name was Louise. They're from New Jersey, my home state. Oh, they're from the north end, so they're from the irrelevant end. Good. What? Justin taking no prisoners tonight. They are from the irrelevant end. They're from Amboy. To hell with Amboy. Can't even spell Amboyed. So we we have our... Well, I guess this is our main event, even though it's on second. The Narcissist Lex Luger versus the eternally forever living Hawaiian crush. Who was apparently the Alpha and the Omega of Hawaii? Luger comes out first. He, ad he admires himself into the mirror as we get the storyline explanation for why his forearm is such a knockout. You see, Lex Luger one year ago, well, almost a year ago, was involved in a legitimate motorcycle accident down in Atlanta, which, according to one of his shoot interviews, I think he said he flew like 40 yards into a wooded area and somehow missed every tree. Otherwise, he would have been killed. He, uh, he had to get a plate and six screws implanted into his right forearm. And we get a weird superimposed graphic here of Luger flexing his biceps. And he put like a skeletal thing over his right arm to show where the plate and the screws would be, which is kind of a... And then Bobby Heenan, and this is kind of a... This is an interesting role debut here. Heenan name drops Dr. James Andrews. And James Andrews, I want to say he's from Birmingham, Alabama. He's like the foremost sports surgeon. Whenever... I think, I think, I, uh, I don't. I can't remember if Austin went to see him after his or when he had his spinal fusion in 2000. But I, I know, like, like, I think Chris Benoit went to see him when he had spinal fusion in 01. I think Lita went to see him when she had a neck injury in 02. This, this guy is the guy when it comes to sports surgery. Like football players have been to see him. Basketball players, everyone goes to see Dr. James Andrews. He must have a mansion in every country from all the money he's made fixing up athletes over the years. His list of patients is insane. I'm, I'm scrolling through it right now. It's like, it's the who's who. Okay, the following wrestlers have had surgery from Dr. James Andrews. 
Okay. Shawn, Mike, Shawn Michaels' knee. Rey Mysterio doesn't say what. Triple H, both quadriceps from both tears. Edge, pectoral. Christian, pectoral. CM Punk, knee. Tyson Kidd, knee. John Cena, elbow in 2013, shoulder in 2016. Seth Rollins, knee. Finn Balor's shoulder. And that is by no means a complete list. I'm looking at the baseball list. This is like the hall, every Hall of Famer from like the 80s and 90s and 2000s. It's, everyone goes to see him. But hey look, hey, hey, look, it's good to be a doctor that people respect that much. Yeah, absolutely. You'll never be out of work. And he, he certainly isn't. He's had patients up to 2018. The Washington Redskins player just tore his knee in August went to see him, apparently. So he's still going. So we got Luger versus Crush here. Savage is talking about why attorneys are the reasons why Bobby Heenan's on a roll. And when Savage mentions attorney, Vince goes, oh, my favorite people. Yeah, we had a little bit of an insight into uh, Vince's world off camera with that little cheeky line. He, he would need some lawyers in the, the following year or so. A little, uh, little foreshadowing. So Heenan goes on this wonderful tirade about how women run out on marriages because he's, he's more focused on the couple at ringside. And I just wrote Rob who? Because <laughs> he, he's just gone on this long-winded tangent. Vince is just letting him. Because screw it, Bob, Bobby's hysterical. Bobby, yeah, Bobby Heenan is, 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 is excellent. And I think he should be, he, he absolutely should be allowed just to go off on a tangent. Whenever he wants to, about, about whatever he wants to. He, he wants to go off on like 16th century... You know, Renaissance art, he can do that. Because he's clever enough to be able to bring it back to the form and bring it back to what they're talking about now. Bartlett just kind of goes, out, swims out into the ocean and then just calls for help. Whereas Bobby <laughs> can quite easily swim out to the middle of the ocean and find his way back. By comparison, Bartlett is the untrained Shakespearean actor who yells line every time he has to talk. <laughs> yes! He calls out to the pit. That's exactly that's that's perfect. That's perfect. So Crush and Luger fight over a test of strength. Luger has to cheat because maybe Crush is more powerful than him. Crush bench presses Luger at one point in a really impressive looking spot. Like he's done like a hundred ninety pound jobbers, and you figure, okay, well, I mean, you know, that's expected. And, and Luger, I mean, he was smaller than he was when he was a total package because there was a time when everybody got a little bit smaller. But I mean, it's still it's still a heavyweight wrestler in there, and Crush is just treating him like he's like he's friggin' James Ellsworth, just benching him up and down, and look great. And Luger even sells it by staggering up the aisle while holding his back, going almost to the curtain. Good stuff. Yeah, and Luger really made Crush look like a, a superstar here, and, yeah, Crush. And, and, and Crush Crush really should have been bigger than he actually. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. He was. Because he's not the greatest of wrestlers, but my God, what a look. What a, what a persona to have. You know, people have become megastars in companies with less. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, Crush had the look. Well, I mean, the mullet wasn't ti- wasn't timeless, but but in '93, it absolutely fit. He had the day glow color scheme, which I liked a lot at that time. It reminded me of bag of Skittles in a way. <laughs> and everybody, everybody loves Skittles, obviously. We're gonna, we're, he, we're risking um, turning into OSW review by saying, "What bar <laughs> is he?" <laughs> He's a Skittles bar. Fused together, just a bunch of skills fused together, and and of course he had the music. That's a world champion song right there. You can't deny that. No, it, you are a big fan of that music, aren't you? How can you not be? Amazing but, scenes. But before I I busted Chubby here based on his theme music, let's move on. <laughs> a lot of offense from Crusher this against Luger, which was nice to see. It was. Although when Luger took over at ringside, <laughs> they get a close-up of, of the right forearm, which looks like a, a normal right forearm for a man who works out religiously and, and eats right and and look and looks good. And they, you, you could say before there had been some supplemental enhancement in him, but at this point he's probably a lot less so. But still an impressive-looking forearm. And Vince claims that you could see the protrusions of the screws Billowing out of the skin of Lex Luger's forearm, and at this point, I'm starting to think Vince might have like Superman-style X-ray vision, because I see nothing. I see a I see a muscular forearm, no bumps, no protrusions, just a muscular arm. But they're adamant that there is some umph behind it, even though we can't see it. I I like the story of like of of the potential foreign object hidden in a man's body. <laughs> I think they, oh, I think they could take, they could take this to the nth degree, and and have a really, really sinister wrestler, like have a have a steel chair implanted under their skin, on their back, <laughs> <laughs> so they could always use it in a match. How big is this guy? He's seven foot nine. It's Andre the Giant. Keeps him upright as well during his lesser days. Okay, so why does he need a weapon implanted under his skin? He's seven foot nine. <laughs> he's not very strong. He's just very tall. Okay, so he's seven foot nine. He weighs one hundred and ten pounds. <laughs> hundred and fifty with the chair. <laughs> he's Ichabod Crane hit with a gamma ray. Yes, yes, that's that's exactly what I'm imagining. Okay, so basically, if you if you just chop block him, it's over because he can't get up. <laughs> he's like King Hippo on Punch Out. You find the one weak spot, it's over. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> So we get back into the ring. Crush reverses an Irish whip at one point, and Luger, in what might have been funnier than anything Bobby Heenan said on the show, yells, No! As Crush throws him into the ropes. Oh, Luger's noisy as a wrestler, is he not? <laughs> yes, because Lex Luger is 
Lexler and Iron Mike Sharp, I wish they had faced off one time in a 20-minute match to see who could sell the loudest. Because <laughs> Mike Sharp was the loudest jobber ever, and Lex Luger was the loudest main eventer ever when it came time to sell. You you give Luger a clubbing blow across the back and go, ah! <laughs> Every time you watch him wrestle, like, just make a note of how much noise he makes. He's incredible. He's the noisiest wrestler ever. Because you've got to make sure that person in the 85th row knows that you're in pain. I don't think he's like that around the house, or he was like that around the house, like, in this era. Like, he'd be making toast, just putting bread in the toaster. Ah! But, <laughs> <laughs> grabbing the toast, it comes up. <laughs> it would scare the cat burglars. <laughs> People thought he was just always being mugged. He wasn't. He was just moving an occasional table. We have kind of a funny line where Bobby Heenan says the Lugers Forum is the biggest point of concern in WWE right now. And I want to make a joke there based on the legal situations that WWE will be facing soon enough, but I decided to let that one slide. No, Crush that's, that's a, a good shout. That's a good shout. Yes. Crush gets a high back suplex and then applies the cranium crunch. And you know Lugers is a tough guy because Crush has to do two drops for the move. Lifts him up and does the butt drop, then pulls him back into a vertical position, then does the butt drop again. So he's, he's making sure to really ratchet up the pressure on Luger's skull here. But then something happens. You see, kids, in the days before we had theme song distraction finishes, we had to be a little more creative with our distraction finishes. So as Crush is going full Jason Voorhees on Luger's skull here, up in the balcony there's, why, there's Doink. And Crush is perplexed by this clown, this treacherous clown that ruined his WrestleMania moment. So Crush goes, he lets go of Luger, who is not unconscious or dead as far as I know, walks over to the corner and climbs up on the turnbuckle to yell at this clown. Because bra, his, his grandfather was a clown and, and he was good to the kids, but this clown <laughs> is not good to the kids. You, ever hear you that make kids bro? cry, bra! Doing bra! <laughs> You remember that promo, right? Doing bra, making kids cry bra. My grandma was <laughs> yeah. a cram bra. <laughs> so, if you have no idea what the hell we're talking about, you're a better person than us. No, seek out the doink bra promo. <laughs> yes. So, Crush is now yelling at doink. But then, another doink appears on the other side of the balcony. So, Crush is now perplexed by two clowns. And as you point out, Luger is still not unconscious. Crush drops down from the ropes and goes to step out of the ring. And as the camera is fixing is fixed upon the other doink, they completely miss the finish, which is Crush stepping between the ropes to either invite one of the doinks in in a, in a, in a jet, a very showman-like gesture, or is, or is leaving the ring to go after them. Luger runs up and, and gets the controversial forearm to Crush's skull, knocking him to the floor, and Luger wins by countout. And that was the match. Crush was so confused by too many doinks that he got hit with a controversial forearm. It's nice. You had two stories um, being continued in one finish. Sure. That was quite neat. Okay, that was the positive. But I will say, if you hate distraction finishes on today's episode of Raw, fire this up, watch this, and you'll have a new appreciation for somebody's music hitting, and then the guy in the ring who that person is feuding with being so perplexed that he can't finish the match because this went on for a little while. That was very, yeah. He was just stood there for ages just sort of asking Doink to come down when really he should have known better. 
Luger could have done something with the toaster making a sandwich in the time that took Crush to be transfixed nah, by these thorns. We'd have heard him. We'd have heard him. <laughs> ah, ah, the butter! Ah. You can, anybody, like, like, if anybody can make an, an image of Luger painstakingly making toast, uh, that would be grand. Thank you. Ah, that guy at ringside has is going to propose later. Ah! <laughs> ah! Ah, oh, that referee was weird. <laughs> He's just commentating on stuff happening on Raw. Oh, God. Lex, Lex, Lex Luger is boggled by everything, including moves. <laughs> <laughs> An Irish whip can hurt Luger, but he always comes back. <laughs> he comes back for more because he's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> he's Lex Lazarus. Oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> Although, Easter's been long over by this point. So we have a promo for King of the Ring. This is now going to be a thing. It's the first annual pay-per-view version of the King of the Ring. Exciting. They had to bridge the gap between Mania and SummerSlam. This seems like a sensible idea. And this was, and that was, and that would actually be a great pay-per-view because one guy happened to have three great matches on one show. Imagine that. How clever. It's a simple concept. If you've got a tournament, put the guy who wrestles the best matches in as many of the matches as possible. Funny thing about that show, Bret Hart wrestled Bob Backlund the night before at Madison Square Garden for 33 minutes. And he, he hurt his ankle or foot in that match, then flew to Dayton, Ohio, and wrestled three matches in one night. And they were the Aww. three best matches on the show. What a boy. What a boy. And we get the plug for the King of the Ring qualifiers. I miss these. Uh, the two that they plug are Mr. Perk versus Doink the Clown on Superstars, although that would not be a deciding match, as we'll find out in a few weeks. And Lex Luger versus Bob Backlund on Wrestling Challenge. Two and very I, peculiar combos. Uh, yes, very interesting. Uh, although Luger Backlund uh, would actually have, have have a small feud in '94 after Backlund turned heel. It was very short lived, but it was it'd be notable as being the last ang- last angle that Randy Savage would ever get involved in in this company. Oh, I've done, I don't think I remember this. I don't remember Backlund and Luger being at proper loggerheads. At proper loggerheads, you're... Right, help me out here. Oh, is it like feuding, like like head-to-head? <laughs> that is a beautiful way of putting it. Loggerheads. It's good, isn't it? I like that one. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to segue into pointing out that Bobby Heenan whistles at the really pretty raw girl who's wearing a full body suit. He's acting like a, he has a log for a head. <laughs> yes, and... I, I, I can't blame him because this was actually a very pretty woman. She was like, beautiful, wasn't she? Yeah. I mean, there's been beautiful girls up to this point holding the cards around, but this one looks like this could have been filmed in 2018. She, she looks so modern. Yeah, the other one's kinda I think because she wasn't wearing like a like a very 90s neon swimsuit. She was just dressed very meekly, but she was beautiful. And she didn't have that winger-style 80s mole hair either. <laughs> no, that's true. The hair did help. I feel like pulling up a Cinderella Nobody's Fool on Spotify after looking at this one. I'm no fool, nobody's fool. No, anyway. That's like, did you, I, I assume you did it then, because the, the singing was, was basically that. Um, well, I, I have it in the song because it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, that's the see, There we go. We've learned... Some lovely facts about Justin Henry. If you want to get him for a Christmas much, present, get him that on CD. Yeah, for, for as much as I love Metallica and Slayer, my two favorite bands, I do enjoy a little bit of 
80s cheese once in a while. You need it. Cheese is a good palate. Yeah. Is is good for the palate. You've got to have yes, a bit of is. cheese. So we have a new a new I could per add this one with Tatanka in it. Because Tatanka's not on Raw enough. We need to get him in the Pro advert too. You want to know how I have the energy to wrestle so many matches at the Manhattan Center? Here's how. I take the supplements, buddy. I'm huffing this stuff backstage. It's all free. It's like they're trying to get rid of it. <laughs> yes, all the guys give me theirs. You ever hear the story where Bret Hart talked about how he couldn't give Iker Pro away to his friends? They, he, he'd get free boxes of stuff from the company just to, like, you know, give out to his friends. Well, like, here, try this. And hoping they would build customers. He said he'd give it to his friends. This is rubbish. He would. This is what Brett said. He would give it to his buddies, and he would find it on his front porch the next day. <laughs> That's brilliant. Like how how crummy are Brett's friends? Just leave it on the door. Can't be bothered to say to hand it back. Or just leave it on the door. We don't want to give it to the dog. What was he going to do with it? I like to think that sometimes they took the lid off and just like scattered it over the over the porch. <laughs> Let it roll away in the dust. And end up on their face just like Tony Montana at the end of Scarface. Very tragic. Could you imagine doing that to anything that you're... Imagine you gave your friend anything, like a gift, and the next day you go to open your door and there it is on the front porch. Or even worse, they drive by and throw it through your window. God, I wouldn't want to be friends with them. And here's Tatanka wearing his white linen suit while pushing to the limit plays. <laughs> he's, showing, he's showing everybody a tiger. You gotta want it. <laughs> See, now Razor Ramon should not because he's doing the whole Scarface gimmick. I would love to have seen the advert for Icompro with Razor Ramon <laughs> just huffing a pile of Icompro. That has sold it to me. <laughs> that would have totally sold it to me. Why has W Films not bought the rights of Scarface and cast Scott Hall in the lead? Because Scott Hall is very poorly. Like, all the time now. I would still watch it. I don't care. Just have him stagger through the scenes. I watched Death Wish 3 last night. Of course I mean, I'll fair point. That. Well, but yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you could do with a palate cleanser of, of 2018 Scott Hall playing Scarface. If it belongs on the L Ray network, I will watch it. <laughs> with a smile. Yeah. Yes. Um, hey, did you did you notice in this episode of Raw um, that they they recast IRS? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very interesting way of putting it. Yes. We have a Raw debut here. We do. Yes, it is the former Big Cat Curtis Hughes, now somebody known as Mister Hughes, which is which, and this was weird to me because this was the same gimmick he had in WCW. Nothing added. Nothing changed, not even a name change. The same presentation. If you've never seen Curtis Hughes, Mr. Hughes, he is a very immense-looking man. I'd say he's probably about 6'4", 6'5". At this stage of his career, he's probably about maybe 340, 350. Just a mountain of a man. He looked like the scariest fullback in the NFL. He would wear a a, a dress shirt with full sleeves, suspenders and slacks, and this big pair of black sunglasses. And he would wear them while he wrestled. Basically, imagine they recast IRS. Except with a palette change. But with a slight palette change. And by slight, we mean IRS is white and Mr. Hughes is black. (laughs) 
and 100 pounds heavier than IRS. Can you imagine, like, if IRS, like, had to miss a show, so they put Mr. Hughes in this place hoping nobody would notice? <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. And do you know what? I'd completely go with it. I'd completely go, you're IRS now. Okay, cool. As you were. It was like, it was like playing Nine from Outer Space when Bela Lugosi died during the filming. So they brought on a man who was a foot taller than him to play his part. <laughs> and, and, and in order to... I mean, they kept all Bella's parts in the movie. So they acted like this was the same guy. But when he gave his lines... He held a cape over his face, so you would think it was, because 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 Edward was a dumbass, and hope nobody would notice. God, I love I love it I love it. So yes, yeah, so yes, IRS is Bell Lugosi, which is 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 funny enough, and Mister Hughes is the stand-in for Bell Lugosi, because goddamn it, they are similar. Although uh, IRS is Mark is is, and it's not a. Great stretch at this point because Mike Rotunda may be a great wrestler, but IRS as a wrestler wasn't one of his greatest outings. But he was no. much better than Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes was fine. He, 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 he was I thought a, he was a bit clumsy. Well, it kind of added to what he was supposed to be. He, he was just a big oaf that took you down. Yeah, I suppose. So Mr. Hughes is facing Jason Knight, who I believe once had a, a very long match with Ric Flair back in the 80s. He's a very skilled wrestler, even though he's used as a job guy here. Fun fact, nine months later in ECW, Jason was a manager, and he managed Mr. Hughes. Wow, really? Yes, sir. Oh, I'd like to think this is where they became friends. Perhaps. And Mr. Hughes had one of the best songs ever, Roughneck by MC Light. Brilliant. I imagine Gotta that he did very well in ECW. He didn't last super long, but he was used in his ideal role as being the badass bodyguard for Shane Douglas. Paul Heyman and, was always brilliant at just using people in the positions they needed to be used in. I mean, even if Mr. Hughes wasn't a great wrestler, he looked the part. Even in a suit, he looked dangerous. Yeah, he definitely but, looked like he could have been a force to be reckoned with. He should be the main bodyguard for the main villain. But he has that look. It did say it all about how well the match was going, that it was during this match that Bobby Heenan at ringside was just changing channels on his little telly. Yeah, a few episodes back, Rob Bartlett did this bit where he was watching TV shows for some reason on a small monitor, just going through channels, whatever. And Bobby Heenan does the same bit here. He's watching a baseball game, which makes sense for Heenan because he was a big baseball fan during his life. And in an eerily prescient moment... He stops on TNT. Oh, I know, right? I love that bit. That made me, That was nice <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah, I, I had to have a little laugh at that. I'm like, well, they should have done that you know, three years later. And they get in like, like, what's that actual wrestling? What are they, what are they doing there? Do you think that, because normally stuff like this, the companies will have an inkling long before we even know it's a thing. Do you think at this point there might have been an inkling that, Ted Turner was looking to get into the wrestling business. Well, I mean, he was already in the wrestling business. He, he had uh, his shows on T. He had Saturday Night on TBS, and he was a big supporter of having wrestling on his channels because in the early days of TBS, they were like the the, the biggest draw on a uh, TBS. And even when even when his uh, stuffed shirts sit down at Turner Tower, CNN, whatever, they, when they wanted to get rid of wrestling, he stuck by it. Even when it was losing money, he stuck by it out of loyalty because he had a soft spot for it. So Ted Turner deserves credit for that much, keeping uh, 
keeping wrestling in the game for as long as he did. So this was then a, a nudge and a wink to to Ted Turner. I, I don't think it was. I think it was just they want to demonstrate that hey, we're live. If you turn the channel right now, yeah, but to linger on on Turner Network Television must I'm, have been I, a little. It might have been a stab. I don't know. It might have been a coincidence. It's really hard to say. Fair enough. Although. Although at one point he he, he had scramble vision on, so he had the idea that he was watching porn, which was hysterical. <laughs> I like that. I thought that's what I thought. I thought, oh, he's on the Rudy channels. He's on the Rude <laughs> channels. And it's, that's, that's cool. Bobby Heenan even making something as simple as just flicking through other TV channels whilst at the commentary desk <laughs> still be really funny. <laughs> Vince got real edgy when uh, when he pressed on scramble vision. Like, don't, don't watch that. And I got to say, I'm kind of sad because Hughes was actually doing a pretty good squash job here on Jason. He does a spot where he picks him up horizontally, hits three front backbreakers, then holds up and just drops him straight down on the mat. Just a, a brutal moment. He was good and at those sort of, yeah, those sort of heavy-hitting strong offense. That was his, well, his forte. Well, he's, he's not going to be an arm drag guy. No. He, he, he's just a big bully who kicks the crap out of you. And then he finishes with something similar to a boss man spike slam. And that was that. It could have been a more fun squash if the focus was there, but hell, we got Bobby Heenan watching Scramble Vision porn, so there is that. And speaking of debuting talent, we have a promo video here for an upcoming act on Roll that will be... Oh, this is wonderful. One of the men in this in this promo video is undoubtedly a future WWE Hall of Famer. Most certainly, will, albeit with a different tag team partner. This is the promo video that debuted the smoking guns, Billy and Bart Gunn. So, so, the, so Bart Gunn, the Hall of Famer, and yes, and Billy Gunn certain. was there too. <laughs> yes, Billy was. Billy, he didn't really pan out that much, but Bart, Bart was a borderline world champion in his career. <laughs> he was the Marty Janetti <laughs> of the smoking guns. Yeah, I can't diss Bart because 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 that left fist will knock me unconscious. <laughs> That's um, very true. Um, so, this is a very straightforward promo where they're riding through the de- the Arizona desert, I assume. On a pair of horses, they have their white dusters, white cowboy hats on. They're just two good old boy cowboys. And they quote the good, the bad, and the ugly a little bit, just to try and tie in the whole cowboy theme. And I'm watching this, and here's Billy Gunn. He's got his mustache, he's got his mullet, and he's just a friendly cowpoke. Like out of there, folks. That you know that kind of thing. Yeah, just, it's it was yeah. very very cowboyy. Near the end yeah. of their run, they'd be less cowboyy, but this was full yeah. cowboyish. Not just not just full cowboyish, but demonstrating that he's a friendly cowboy. He's not an evil. He, he's not a, a cattle rustler. He's not a horse thief. He's not going to rob the saloon. This is a nice cowboy, and he 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 can't demonstrate his his niceness enough. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking. Would you have guessed from watching this that six years from now, his gimmick would it would be that he would be obsessed with his own ass? <laughs> I, I, wrestling's wonderful like that because I don't think I could have exactly. ever called that. <laughs> like, like, I, I want to do this bit called DeLorean where you just go back to different points in time and tell someone what tomorrow's going to bring. Go, go up to Fatu at this time. All right, look. You're gonna wear a thong, but it's gonna be okay. We we only we only go back in time and talk to wrestlers whose gimmick becomes them being obsessed with their own ass. 
So we talked to Billy Gunn. And we talked to her occasionally. Uh, we could talk to Naomi because she does do the rear view. We could talk to Naomi. Yes. Um, although she has, she had no real gimmick before that that wasn't, um, uh, shall we say, sultry or whatever. She was the Funkadactyl. Yes, and, and part of that gimmick was putting her ass up against Cameron's ass when they were on the apron, so she was already calling her shot. Yeah, so we had gone back at the DeLorean and said, in a few years you'll become, oh, you're, you're already there, it's fine, don't worry. Find Olsen in the Hollywood Blondes. When you shave your head, you're going to be a big star. But you're going to bleed a few times. No, 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 no. We only go back and talk to people who are obsessed with their ass. In, well, then, in our new TV series, in... Backside <laughs> to the Future. <laughs> okay, I got to give credit. That was a good one. We have a promo that I had to research what was being discussed. And let's just say this is something that you wouldn't see today. Oh, you... this is very of its time. Oh, my uh, days. So... Vince interviews the current reigning and defending Intercontinental Champion, one Shawn Michaels, who at this time had a full head of hair. I mean, prime of his life, baby face. I mean, he's a heel, but baby face-ish Michaels. He comes out. Vince says that Shawn's facing Hacksaw Jim Duggan next week. And the fans actually groaned at that. They weren't fan of Duggan. I, I felt, felt bad for Hacksaw. I love Hacksaw. So Shawn buries New York City. He's kind of he's kind of freestyling with the fans a little bit here, just kind of riffing on them. He points out these two male fans who they eventually show, and they're kind of buff-looking. He says he saw them on TV yesterday at a DC march. I had to Google what this meant, although I had, kind of had an idea of what he was going, to, going for here. The day before this, April 25th of 93, was the March on Washington for Lesbian, Gay, and Bi-Equal Rights. Right, so it was a dig on that, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's basically, you two are queer, and that's why I'm going, I'm going to insult you for implying homosexuality. So it's fair to say that Shawn Michaels fired the first shot here. Uh, yes, and this is back when, this is back when I want to say it was acceptable to do this, but it was more on vogue to mock somebody for perceived gayness and use that as an insult against them. Because, God, God damn it, if you're, if you're gay, you're not a real man, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was that was the implication here. And the crowd actually gets a chant, Sean is gay. This was, oh, yeah, this was of a time. <laughs> this really was yeah. of a time. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I, I mean, <laughs> Vince bugs his eyes out at the chant. Because, I, I, mean, I mean, here's Sean. I mean, the mar this March on Washington, it's a well-meaning march. P people want to be treated like equals because, I mean, they're just like anybody else. They just have, you know, a different orientation. That's all. I mean, we were less – people were less savvy back then about what that meant. I mean, not everybody, but a big section of society, let's say. And Vince probably wonder how that's going to look if something like that gets out. Our wrestling fans are homophobes, and – our Intercontinental Champion made a homophobic comment to a, a couple fans. And there must have been a little bit of uh, skittishness here because Bobby Heenan is insisting that the chant is, Sean is great. But like, then but then, shortly after this, as the crowd are really going to town and chanting, Sean is gay, Sean is gay, mm -hmm. Vince cuts off Shawn Michaels and says, I think these people are trying to say something to you. It's like, what you, whoa, we, we're, we're trying really hard with damage limitation here. Don't point it out. And not just that, but 
it's almost like Vince is saying, hey, Sean, they're calling you gay. What do you think about that? You're not gay, are you, Sean? You're not gay. <laughs> it's like, like, how do you respond to that? Are you going to prove that you're straight? Or are you are, are you going to say that they're that you're say, you are what they're saying you are? Like, Vince is homophobic also. God. This is this was so... It, it reminded me when Magic John... After Magic Johnson was diagnosed with HIV, he went on the Arsenio Hall show and, and, and was discussing it. It was obviously a very serious interview, very highly rated interview. And he was, and, and they were discussing how he contracted it. I think it was just unprotected sex. And he, he made it emphatically clear to the audience that I'm not gay. I'm not a homosexual. I didn't have sex with any men. And the crowd applauded. Like, oh, oh thank wow. God Magic's not gay. Whoa. Uh, for a second there, I thought <laughs> it was just. It really is I mean, a different it, time, isn't it? it? It was 1991. That was uh, that was a doozy. You look at that now, you you're just like, oh god. We were less savvy people at one point as as a whole. No, the we we, was we a little... that, and it's not wasn't a million years ago either, which makes it even sadder. This is my lifetime. This is your lifetime. This is, yeah, this is our lifetime. <laughs> it's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. <coughs> Keep in mind at this point, you know, that one of Vince's top aides backstage is a homosexual, and that was an, that was an open secret, Pat Patterson. Mm-hmm. So, this is a. Uh, if it was uncomfortable then, it's even more so now. So we finally get a, we finally get past all of this. We get footage from WrestleMania Nine, where they show Sean kicking Mr. Perfect's ass backstage after he lost to Lex Luger. Sean beating his ass with a trash can. And Sean makes a mistake here because he makes a Sesame Street joke. He calls him Grover when he means to say Oscar the Grouch. Oh, yeah. That was that was very bad Sesame Street knowledge, that was, Sean. Well, I mean, Sean wasn't watching that. He was watching the parade the day before, didn't you hear him? Because <laughs> then he had to come, up with, come up with a joke based on that. And Well, anyway. So Perfect comes out. He's restrained by the officials. We get a great moment where Sean reaches through the ropes... Kicks Perfect in the head, and Perfect flies into the ring to go after him. Sean bails, and Perfect dives over the top rope like a maniac and runs after him. I mean, he cleared that top rope. That was that was perfect, to be fair. Like, he hoied over the rope and landed completely perfectly on the bottom. I thought that was, that was a lovely little moment by Mr. Perfect. It, it was a pristine jump. Come back from break. They show a couple players from the New York Giants in the crowd one of whom is Howard Cross, who played many years for the team. And then we get another unbelievable moment in a series of them. This whole show is unbelievable. We are building the feud between Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka. And what we show this bit, because we're tying in Luna Vachon and Sensational Sherry with this feud, on Superstars, I guess it was the previous weekend, you know they had the interview podium at the back of the arena where like Mean Gene or whoever would interview someone or... I used to really Sean. love that setup where you'd interview them and you'd have the crowd all behind you. I love I like that. that I want to see that back again. Me too. It, it, it was it was a wonderful bit. So it's Bigelow and Sherry having an argument over interview time. I guess one of them is supposed to go out there and the other one wasn't. Or it was supposed to be interviewed at a different time. So there's a conflict there. And Bigelow's upset because it's supposed to be his time. And he starts accosting Sherry physically. Now the interviewer for this segment is Raymond Rougeau, who to this day is still one of the French commentators for the company. And for many years was a tag team wrestler with his brother Jacques, a.k.a. the Mountie. And Ray was a pretty tough guy. He was actually a gold gloves boxer, amateur boxer, something along those lines. 
Bigelow has Sherry by the throat, and she's on her knees. So Bigelow is he's, – he's, he's gone way over the line already here. Ray Rougeau does nothing. He is just standing there holding a microphone in his suit while this 360-pound man is about to possibly waylay this 130-pound woman. I'm watching them like, help her! Rougeau should have got mucked in, but he didn't. You're an all-American boy. Do something. You were waving the flag. It was a very little flag, but you were waving the flag, and you're not getting amongst it. Terrible behavior. Those are are American values. Stand up for someone in distress. But, but of course, Ray Rougeau is a coward, so he doesn't make the save. Who does? Our man Tatanka. Tatanka makes the save. He dropkicks Bigelow off the stage and proceeds to plancha onto him afterwards. He throws himself at Bam Bam. Like he's AJ Styles in any era. I, you know what? He looked hot to try this bit to Tonka did. He looked great. He, he, he did. He, he, this was all effort. Tatanka gave you 100% of what he had. 110%. But then we uh, we get the continuation of the bit, which is Tatanka's supposed to have a squash match later in the show. His song plays, but he doesn't come out. And they, and they show the cameras backstage. Bam Bam has jumped him, has laid him out. And then he produces a pair of scissors, but this is not a Sid Arnerson situation. Now he just cuts a piece of hair out of the Tonka's head. The part that's dyed red to symbolize the blood of all the Indian nations. Whereas Bobby Heenan would say that, that he's, a, he's a Grand Marshal of the Lucille Ball Parade. But that was a good bit, that. I like that because the hair is symbolic. And it's a, just a, yeah. something slightly different. Well, you know who was offended by the haircut part? Randy Savage. Savage oh, he's was foaming. Now he's. Because Savage, uh, he's been a little foggly challenged in some ways. You see why that would upset the macho man. That's what I got from it. Savage is not mad that Bam Bam put his hands on his former manager, Sensational Sherry. He's more mad that a man has a bald spot now. Yeah, That's he was not cool. furious about that. Some people don't like having a bald spot. Savage is having serious hair issues, bless him. I mean, that's what, that's what I got out of it. Maybe he was just mad about the whole symbolism thing. Or maybe he's just a big Lucille Ball fan, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy and Ricky were funny. We have our fourth match of the show. Our final match. I don't know how much more I could take. Cause this wasn't a bad show, but there was a lot of eye-opening stuff. And I, I got overstimulated watching it, I think. Typhoon versus our old friend, Von Kruss. Big oh, Vito Von from, Kruss is back. Is the German Big Vito. And, I, and I'm thinking this got to be near the end of, of Typhoon because... He, He's got to put on a Stormtrooper helmet in less than four months and fall through a wall. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we're nearly, we're nearly at Shopmaster territory, aren't we? Let's just let's enjoy Typhoon before that, before that symbolic moment. That transcendent moment in professional wrestling when they're again ignoring the squash match because Hacksaw Jim Duggan's on the phone. They're hyping the Duggan-Shawn match the following week for the Intercontinental title. Savage tells Hacksaw they all love him. And I'm thinking... Didn't you beat him and steal his crown in 89? I mean, oh, I guess yeah. five months ago. Oh, but that was 89. That may as well have been yeah. another time. I mean, Piper and Snooker teamed up on that show, and, and and Piper beat him with a coconut five years earlier, so. there It's all it's all water under the bridge now. Um, I enjoyed Duggan's little dig about Shawn Michaels' sexuality. I, I, I missed that part. What, what did Hexel say? When he was talking about you know how, how uncomfortable it must be for for his family to know that Shawn Michaels wants to pose in magazines. Like, somehow, posing in Playgirl makes him gay. That's kind of what I got from that. I don't know whether I missed it. Um, well, I'm just going to say 1993 and move on. Yeah, good shout. 
I, I paid no attention to this match at all. There, there could have been an amateur sequence that would have put Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko to shame, and I would have missed it because I was just, I was just listening to the dialogue at this point. Well, Typhoon gets the win with an out of position splash. He comes out, he comes at Von Crush from the side and has to do a quarter turn in midair, which impressed the hell out of me. That was the yeah, yeah, fair play to him. That was a shiny move. But yeah, was it was. Fact. This was one of these matches that I think, because of everything else that had gone on, it did just sort of happen. It was just positioning. This, like, I think Crush and Luger should have gone on after. Uh, well, I mean, it, it was the old formula where like the big match went on earlier in the show. It's just how it was back then. I mean, Sarian's main event followed a similar formula. It was what it was. Duggan got in his digs on Sean in order to hype next week's show. So then we finally come to the ending bit, the the real main event where. IT tech mullet Kevin Smith is going to propose to his girlfriend with the complicated last name. Bobby Heenan has a great ensemble on for this bit. A satin jacket and a raw shirt. And it was it, all black. It is, it nice is lovely. It is lovely. And it's Bobby was look. absolutely on fire at this point. Absolutely. He uh, he mocks a guy's name again. And he asks him how many girls he's been with before. He says none. The girl confirms that she's, she's been with no guys before. And Heenan actually asks... Well, how do you know if you're even sexually compatible with one another? This was a kid's show at one point, wasn't it? <laughs> I think Bobby Heenan was probably the worst person to get to kind of be the, the sympathetic ear for your marriage proposal. I mean, in real life, no, but in character, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy won't even get on one knee. Bobby had to berate him into doing it. The yeah, guy Bobby like was in the something. right there. Like, if you're going to pop the question, do it on one knee. Come on, mate. I don't care how <laughs> sticky the floor of the Manhattan Center is. You have pestered behind the curtain this guy had pestered bruce pritchard for five months to make this happen really yeah oh i've got some i've got some some stuff on sosnowski to share with you but he pestered him for months to get on this show the least you can do is get on one knee i don't care how sticky the man out center is i never want to hear you say i've got some stuff on, on sosnowski for you ever again. <laughs> You may be the first person that has ever uttered that sentence in the history of time. <laughs> I don't think I am, you know. Sosnowski. That is a good name. And so he proposes that the woman is is understandably, you know, pleased. And it's a nice moment. And they show the heart-shaped filter on the camera with them in the middle. And for some goddamn reason, they play the, f the final Jeopardy think music. <laughs> it was literally that song. I'm, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You can play like Brother Love's theme because it has almost, almost like a love quality to it. Something a little mushy. No, it's the... Na, 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 na. Like, Maybe it was like while she's thinking whether to say yes or no. <laughs> that could have been it, actually. That, I, think that's the, I think that is the three seconds dedicated to the logic of the music in this section. It was like the scene in Dirty Work where Chris Farley plays the wrong song on the jukebox before the fight starts. He meant to play street fight, and Mamba ends up being, if you like pina colada. That then, is that. Then. It's basically that. <laughs> Wrong song, asshole. We'll get a little backstory here for people who didn't watch the show. They said they were together for five years. They had dated for five years. They did. They did, but they broke up shortly after this. Because, as it happens, Paul Sosnowski is a little bit of a creepy wrestling fan. Had, as I said, spent five months obsessively contacting Bruce Pritchard to do this on Monday Night Raw. And uh, generally was just a nuisance on the day. Um, he is known in the internet as Green Lantern fan Paul Sosnowski. And he is obsessed with the Green Lantern. Would quite often walk around half-dressed as the Green Lantern. 
And in 2012, Paul Sosnowski was arrested for failing to obey police and resisting arrest. I don't really? know what I don't know what he did to encourage the arrest in the first place, but you can check out the mugshot of Paul Sosnowski if you Google it. How did you acquire this knowledge? Paul Sosnowski is Fairly easy name to Google because there aren't many Paul Zosnowskis in the world. I think one of them is um is like the revenue officer for a for a business in the states, but it's a different Paul Zosnowski. Okay. True story. This is uh. There's not is many bizarre. weird obsessive wrestling fans called Paul Zosnowski. I wish was I wish this was on earlier in the show so we we could end on a happier note. We can end on a happier note because next week it's Shawn Michaels versus Jim Duggan. <laughs> Yay! Okay, okay. Okay, I, I got to add to this. When they showed the match graphic for Sean versus Duggan, they couldn't. They could not have picked a better pose photo for Duggan. He's got his two by four over his shoulder, but he's got his hand out as if he's trying to stop the cameraman from taking the photo. <laughs> and, he, and he and he has this frantic look on his face, like, "Hang on, I have explosive diarrhea. Give me five minutes." And he got no. And we haven't got time. That's the photo we've got. We did twenty takes, and that was the best one. He, he sneezed in the other 19. <laughs> I'm excited to see how Hacksaw Jim Duggan avoids doing a pinfall loss to Shawn Michaels next week. I don't know <laughs> if that happens. That's just from history what I'm assuming happens. Do you want a spoiler? He avoids doing a pinfall loss to Shawn Michaels. Ding, 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 hey! ding, ding. But don't tell me how. That's for us to find out next week. <laughs> it involves explosive diarrhea. Oh, God. Oh, God. I so, need the loot. So, thoughts on, the on Raw have... this week? They're still clearly in the spitballing phase when it comes to unusual things. But it, it was a little more linear in some ways. Bobby Heenan is a vast improvement. It was night and day compared to a lot of the episodes that we've watched previously. Yeah. And that's pretty much the long and short of it. It was it was there, but I didn't hate it. And in fact, some parts truly both horrified and amused me. And at least, at least it made me feel something. Yeah, the, the, the obsession with the marriage proposal was certainly an interesting main angle to focus on, but I, I get that they're still trying to make it, they're still trying to find the, 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 the true aspect of it's live, let's showcase just how live this is. There will be another marriage proposal on Raw before Bobby Heenan leaves the company. Brilliant. And I'm hoping that, because I thought when I read the preview for this that that was going to be the one, but it's actually a different one, so God, they did it twice in the same year. I'm hoping it's Paul Sosnowski again with a different woman. <laughs> no, it's actually much different, and Bobby Heenan makes some rather salacious remarks in the process for that one, and it was actually pretty funny. We look forward to that one. Hey, we're very aware that um, whilst you are listening to this at any other time on the planet, it is currently like 20 past two, uh, Justin's time. So bless him for staying up late uh, whilst um, uh, I got called into work. So bless you, sir. Uh, yes, it's... Uh... I'm usually up this late anyway, although I'm feeling a little sleepy at the moment. Well, Justin is now going to go and do a big sleep. Not the big sleep, though, because we, we, have, we have shows to watch, and I, and I, I can't imagine who you'd get to replace me. Probably somebody competent. No, no one no one could replace you. I'd, I'd have to just sit here and wait for you to wake up. <laughs> I'd just I'm, have to sit and wait. When I say big sleep, I was, I was referring to death there. Yeah, so I know. Was... Well, that's it. I would wait forever, basically, is what I'm saying. You'd like the dog in Futurama? Yeah, I would be the dog in Futurama waiting for you to, yeah. to come back to life. Well, I was a pizza guy before, like, Fry, so it does make sense. There you go. That's the connection. Although that's the saddest thing that's ever happened in TV history. I once brought that up as a gag on Twitter. I, I wasn't making fun of that. I was comparing something to that. 
Like, this is the most tragic thing since that happened. People are like, dude, that's not cool. When, it, when will you learn, Justin, that Twitter's not there for jokes? It's there for, for true, honest facts and, and heavy political discussion. Well, that's all we see is just honesty and integrity all the time on social media. That, that is what it's known for, and we shouldn't sully those waters. Exactly. And you can follow Justin at JRHWriting on Twitter. You can follow me at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Let us sully your timeline at Cultaholic. <laughs> Justin's going to sleep. I'm going for breakfast. Love you, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.